Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Uh, if you're not already, I hope uh, I hope you like what you hear enough to become a subscriber. Uh, of course, you can do that in any of the major podcast hotspots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, even YouTube, where you'll also find the video version of this interview right here. We put out interviews every uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, three a week. So it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, just know what's happening in the music world. Again, hit that subscribe button wherever you get podcasts from. I'm Kyle Merritt. Today I'm going to be talking with one of my all-time heroes, Mr. Butch Vig. You know him for many reasons. You know him as a drummer for Garbage. You know him as a super producer from everybody from uh, Nirvana to Green Day and Sonic Youth, tons of others. Uh, he's also got a another band called Five Billion in Diamonds. They released their debut record a few years ago. They are back with a new one called Divine Accidents. We're going to be hearing about how a lot of the music on here uh, with this band is inspired by late 60s film music, and uh, specifically on this record, an Orson Welles documentary. They work with several vocalists every single time. And as it turns out, a lot of the vocalists, uh, the, the lyrics they wrote, uh, caught them looking at space and spirituality 
Daily to make sense of the insane. So we'll be getting his view on all of that, as well as the difference in writing for five billion in diamonds versus garbage versus producing, as he says, for folks like the Foo Fighters and Green Day. Now, speaking of garbage, we're also going to tie the two bands together. If you remember back in the late 90s, Garbage did a Bond theme song, uh, The World Is Not Enough. That was very movie-like as well. So I want to hear the similarities there. And we'll get the update on the new Garbage album. He says it's nearly done. He uses words like dark, schizophrenic, very edgy. So we're going to be talking about that. And some of the things on the side. He just uh, uh, set up a, a new drum series with Native Instruments. And I also uh, I want to go back to one of his 90s producing records that he did, one of my favorite albums from Sonic Youth, uh, to hear about what that experience was like as well. So let's get into it. Talking about this record, Divine Accidents from 5 Billion in Diamonds, is Kyle Meredith with Butch Vig. Kyle, thanks for having me. No problem, man. And let, let's talk about that because Five Billion in Diamonds, uh, this is a project, I guess the first record came out, what, about three years ago, 2017? About three years ago, yeah. Yeah. And so for anybody who's still catching up on this, th- this finds you with a, a whole new group of friends, right? Yeah, I mean, Five Billion in Diamonds started with two of my buddies in England, uh, James Grillo and Andy Jenks. I'm very good friends with them, and they're both DJs, and Andy's also a music producer. And about four years ago, we talked about sort of making a, a collaborative band where we bring in a lot of musicians and sort of using some of our love for film music as part of the the, the vibe and the songs. Um, and uh, we recruited uh, some amazing people who were fans of, like uh, Eva Lumberg from the soundtrack of our lives, and David Schultzel from the band Ocean Blue. We just reached out to people, and uh, in a lot of cases, they said yes. They wanted to collaborate with us. So, yeah, we put our debut out um, about three years ago, and we have just finished a new album called Divine Accidents. And uh, but we're we're uh, totally psyched. It, again, it was a really amazing experience because uh, when we start these, uh, well, we started this record as well as the last one. I sort of had in my head what it was going to sound like, and then it sounded completely different. <laughs> In a good way. That's always the fun part right there. I I couldn't help but notice, though, when you look back at at your history and what, as I read, Garbage was sort of meant to be was sort of that different vocalist thing with, you know, all the all the studio musicians. It it almost seems like this is finally, in a way, that dream realized because you do have multiple vocalists that kind of go throughout the record. Like, What draws you to that? Um, you know, I think we we looked at this record and, and, and much of the first record is we wanted to sort of come up with these sonic landscapes instrumentally and then give them to singers and let them do their thing with it. And uh, I've always been intrigued by that. That was one of the ideas that initially was garbage was going to be like. We were just going to be sort of a loose collaborator, have a bunch of singers. But once Shirley Ann joined us, we took a different route and it was probably all for the better. The thing I like about 5B ideas, we're kind of free to sort of write um, these musical beds that could be inspired by film music or like our love of like some of the obscure sort of late 60s, early 70s um, B-sides that artists put out. Uh, James Grillo has like a 20,000 album collection. Uh, It's insane. He he has a vast knowledge of all this amazingly cool, obscure music. And um, so we we wanted to, uh, much like the first record, just come up with these soundscapes and then let the singers sort of take wherever they would go, you know, writing the lyrics and the melodies and things. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, Kyle, it's like where I thought the record was going to go ended up being quite a different space uh, sonically at the end, but in a, in a really good way. Well, let's hear about the film part then, because that, as you've mentioned, it has been the idea for this band. 
And, and you all talked a lot about that on the first record. Were there specific films then that you were also looking at this one going, okay, let's try this now? Uh, well, God, there's so many. Um, we got the title from uh, James and I were watching a documentary on Orson Welles that came out last year. And at one point in his Orson Welles voice, he said, the best thing about filmmaking is the divine accidents that happen. And we looked at each other and went, that's a great song title. And then it became our album title, too. It's interesting, then, that if you're handing these over to the vocalists to kind of do what they want lyrically, that you do still find, I find threads, I should say. And I, I don't know if that's on purpose or if that's just the great coincidence of the universe. I say the universe specifically because because there seems to be a little bit of a space thing happening, at least at the beginning of the record. And then once you get into it, there are certain words that just play into it. Um, divine the beginning and the end how that's kind of i you know i'm thinking the alpha and the omega you know it's a presence is that a coincidence you know it's funny i think uh writing the music we never know what the uh our, the guest singers are going to come up with but i think that they sort of tap into some of that sort of cosmic spaciness that's in some of the songs i mean i think James and I sort of describe it as like psychedelic folk rock, some of the songs. There's a little bit of a psychedelic thing. And he puts a lot of trippy keyboards on. Um, he, he plays a lot of old analog synths. So he, he's not really a, a, a digital techie guy. So there's a real cool feel to it. It has a very analog kind of feel, which I love. But I think the singers respond to that. And, and so when they start writing lyrics and things, I think what they're part of what they're writing is what they're being inspired from here in the music, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how much you can speak to those lyrics specifically, but I, I have found a lot of artists, more and more, have kind of went to space to sing about where we are now. That seems to be a little bit, what would you say, I guess in the zeitgeist or whatever, you know, a songwriter zeitgeist, you know, in, in these moments that we're in, in this time, it seems like you take that wide out view to really get to the essence of who we are right now. Well, the world is such a crazy place right now. Uh, so many really things that are hard to comprehend. And, and uh, as human beings, I think that's one of the reasons that some people look to spirituality is trying to make sense of the insane, you know. Um, and I think you're right. To be able to sort of feel like you're in space, getting away from it can maybe sometimes give you more of an objective view of how to perceive what is going on. But I also think it's escapism. I think... Music can take you to a plane somewhere that's beyond your normal day-to-day -day experience. And music, I think, is so profound for so many people because of that. They, they look to music to soothe their soul. Mm -hmm. And it is such an interesting palette of music that you all are given this time. And you know, I'll talk a little bit more about that or ask, ask a little bit more about that, too, because writing in this way, I do wonder if, if it if it's actually exercising a different muscle for you. I was thinking of, of the sound that you're going for, like in the sixties, I, I would think the sixties, like that was the last time that classical and big band in these sort of ways had a, had a place in popular music. I mean, I mean the scores of the movies, you know, they, they were still sort of played on the radio at, at that point. Yeah. You know, my daughter and I are watching a documentary on Netflix about Frank Sinatra and I love Frank Sinatra, and uh, he still had hits in the 60s. <clears throat> you know, he, I think his classic records kind of came from the 50s, but there was that e even when the Haiti of British invasion came and the Beatles, whatever, they were still 
people were having these magnificent tracks on the radio. I remember uh, uh, Richard, what's his name, um, MacArthur Park. It's like that was a seven-minute song when it came out and did not sound like anything else on the radio at the time. Yeah, I love that song. And uh, that was kind of steeped in in more of a film soundtrack vibe, you know, coming from with the orchestration and the way that they, they completely did, did some tempo changes and things in the song. And a, a very powerful number one hit that was seven minutes long. Right. And we find inspiration in that. A lot of the references in, uh, in Five Billion and Diamonds come from, like I said, some of these obscure records that came out in the late 60s and early 70s. And uh, we, we a lot of times a song will start when James Grillo will bring in a record and we'll find a piece of music and, and sample it, and then we'll, we'll just put it and start playing on top of it. Now, we always, except for the last record, there was a track on, uh, on the first record where we actually used the sample and we got clearance on it. But we usually, once we start playing, we get rid of the samples and we write our own music around it. But sometimes it's, it gives us a vibe for where mm-hmm. a song should go. And uh, it, it's interesting because it's a different headspace than, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of making a garbage record right now, and garbage is our own thing we we do we have our own headspace you know we i can't even define what that is kyle but it's if you hear a garbage song you know it's us you know it's a when i'm song. producing a band like the foo fighters or green day whoever also it's their vision you know and i have a, a very sort of particular mindset in terms of where it should go but in five billion diamonds it's pretty free you know mm-hmm. we just sort of start with a template and then we'll see where that goes and uh, like i said it's always really interesting to hear a song when it's completed from the, where the spark is because sometimes it goes through a quite radical transformation yeah. yeah, I don't think anybody's ever uh, ever w- would call you a one-trick pony on the type of music that you make, obviously, with all that you're talking about right there. But, but, but you know, when you are doing this, when, when this is so different than the typical rock and roll world, there, there's, I guess, emulation, and then there's trying to take something and, and make it different. Like, is there, do you still have to draw the line on this one? Or is this the toy store where you go, you know what, we are going so far down and just trying to recreate everything that we've ever heard and loved? You know, I... Th- I would like to think that we don't really set boundaries, but sometimes uh, James kind of is the most opinionated. Like I, I you know, I'm, I'm a music producer. All of us in the band, James and Andy and I, equally produce and write the music tracks together. But I try to take a back seat sometimes and let James steer the ship um, because, as I said, he's very opinionated. So if we go down some path and he doesn't like it, it gets ixnade. <laughs> I hope you don't mind the bright question on this one. My, I think my favorite track, at least right now, on the record is "The Unknown." Uh, I do love it. So I, I really do just want to ask about, you know, how that one came about and if you could talk about it. Well, I, I love that song, too. God, Martin's voice is just, uh, uh, t- it brings me to tears when I hear him sing. It's so vulnerable. Uh, we started writing that as a piece of music and didn't really know what to do with it. Andy kind of came up with a lot of the sort of spacious keyboards in there. It's You know the song, it's really spare. Mm-hmm. And initially we just thought, well, maybe we'll just put this out as the instrumental because it's so far removed from any sort of pop structure that we didn't know who could get their head around it. And then um, Andy lives in uh, Bristol in the UK and Martin also lives in Bristol. And he came by the studio and Andy was playing some stuff for him and, and, and heard the instrumental and said, I think I might have some words for that. And, uh, you know, came in the next day and said, I didn't even know he was doing it. And then Andy sent us the track to James and me the next day. And uh, we were just blown away by how powerful it is. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a lovely song. And to me, that's, that is more sort of late 60s, like film score sounding than some of the, there's, there's, there's some songs that actually sort of reference the 80s on this record. You know, we have a couple tracks on there, like Into Your Symphony, for instance. You know, there, there is an interesting crossover here too with, with Five Billion and Diamonds and, and Garbage because, 
the one thing I have to think about is you all did a Bond film and that might be like where the two worlds collide, you know, and the world is not enough. Like how similar was that experience towards what you're doing here? Well, that was an incredible experience. I mean, we were flabbergasted when we got a call from uh, the producers of, of Bond saying that they wanted us to do the theme song. And uh, I remember Shirley like literally screamed. We were backstage somewhere, I think, on a, playing a festival run in, in Europe, maybe in Germany. And, and she started screaming, oh, my God, we're going to do a Bond theme. And then we were like, holy cow, that is quite amazing. And the experience was uh somewhat difficult at the time because we were touring so much so we literally on days off we would fly in for a day and record in the studio in London and then fly back to Spain or whatever and play another festival but I think we tried to uh, what we wanted to do is is try and tap into some of the classic sound that is James Bond like that the, the little guitar riff that Duke plays do, 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 has a very sort of John Barry guitar sound but we also wanted it to sound like garbage so there's a lot of there's some elements in the music just some of the sort of gritty things we did with the drums and the loops and whatever um, but I think it you know we're really proud of that track and uh, you know when we started making uh, the first five billion diamonds record John Barry uh, who composed a lot of the uh, Bond's themes is a genius. You know, we, we all love his music. And so there's a couple little elements on both records where we sort of tap into John Barry, especially the horns. Uh, there's some kind of mellow horns in some of the songs, uh, like in Formaldehyde and this record. And, and uh, that's part of the textures that Barry used. And we really were very, we made it, it was very obvious that we wanted to do that when we tapped into that source on some of the new material. What a special club, though, to be in. I mean, there's a finite amount of artists who have ever been asked to do the Bond theme, and you guys, not everybody gets the hit off of it, and you yeah. did it. You know, that's not I, easy. I, I'm friends with Billie Eilish and Phineas, and I'm so stoked that they got to do the the, the recent one, but then mm -hmm. it just got put on hold. You know, we're going to have to wait now until it comes out, but I, I, I've, obviously I've heard the theme song you probably have, too, and it's great. They did it. They killed it, man. It's a, it's a lovely version. Yeah, we played it quite a bit, and it was kind of that gut punch, like, oh, everything's building up and building up, and then, of course, what can you do? Yeah, but they'll be back. They will. They'll all be back. <laughs> uh, I will take the quick opportunity because, you know, as we were talking about garbage, uh, what, the 25th anniversary right there. That's a 20, Wow, yeah, that's cool, man. Years. A cassette. A yeah. cassette even, Kyle. That's really old school. <laughs> Um, I, I talked to Duke and I've talked to Shirley, although it's been a couple of years, but this is back when you guys were recording in the desert. Um, I, I was kind of prodding Duke a little bit. I said, you know, are you making desert music? And he challenged me. He's like, what is desert music? And I was like, oh God, <laughs> I think Quentin Tarantino could tell you what desert music is. Yeah, like, like the slowed down rockabilly, like, you know, if that made it in there at all. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, we, we, we're calling this, the album doesn't have a title yet, but we've been, the working title was the Palm Spring Sessions because we went to a friend's house and uh, in, in just this big open living room and we set up our gear there and basically for two weeks we just jammed and uh, we'd start about noon and finish about six, you know, by cocktail hour and then just kind of chill the rest of the night. But we all lived in the house together and we probably wrote about 30 pieces of music or so. And once again, like where I thought they were going to go and where it, the, the record is ending up is completely different. The initial vibe was pretty chilled out. There were a lot of uh, kind of spare moments and uh, Shirley's lyrics were, she was still figuring out a lot, a lot of the lyrics, but some of the some of the initial lyric ideas she came up with were, it was sort of uh, quite beautiful sounding. And... I have to say the record now sounds quite dark and schizophrenic. Um, uh, we're almost done. We've got nine songs mixed, two to go, and we'll be done with it with the new album. And um, 
it's it's very edgy and and uh, very much about the world we live in right now. At the time though, when we started writing them and and, and the lyrics and stuff, I had no idea it was going to sort of end up in that direction. But I think it's a reflection of of how we're all living right now, as well as surely may have had some sixth sense that things were going to get really crazy because mm-hmm. some of the some of the material is uh is quite crazy sounding, but it's um. It sounds like garbage. Like I said earlier, Kyle, we, we can try to not sound like ourselves, and we still end up sounding like garbage. When you put certain ingredients into a bowl, it's going to taste exactly like something. That's right? right. Yeah, no matter how long you stir it. Yeah, I guess I'm not so surprised to hear you say those things, one, if you follow Shirley on, online, uh, but, but two, where you guys left off, you know, tossing in no horses uh, a couple years ago, because that... To me, that's that's kind of how I would uh, explain the song. It's dark. It's a little bit schizophrenic, and it's about the world we live in. Like, is that a good? Is that any kind of directional teaser as to the rest of the record? Yeah, I mean, no horses uh, started. Shirley came up with the idea for that when she saw some horses alongside this road, stuck in a, a traffic jam or whatever, and looked up. And I would say, it's, uh, from a sort of a sonic point, there's a couple songs that are sound a little bit like no horses um lyrically to me that song Shirley came up with was very free form almost like a patty smith uh, stream of consciousness in a way um you know not really a pop structure mm-hmm. and there's a couple songs like that on this album that are more sort of free form like that uh but I, hard, hard for me to really articulate exactly what the new material sounds like other than it's quite dark and quite schizophrenic sounding <laughs> I like those things. I'm up for it. I mean, of course, I'm going to follow you guys with whatever you do. Uh, I will ask uh, uh, on the other side of things really quickly. I noticed that you've uh, it looks like you've teamed up with Native Instruments to do the Butchvig drums. That looked like a cool little little side thing. What's what's the story there? Well, about a year and a half, uh, Native reached out to me and said, would I be interested in making like a drum instrument? And we weren't quite sure what that is, but uh, I went into a, a studio here in Hollywood for a couple of days and I just recorded drums, uh, some of my own drums and, and some drums from my drum tech and just a bunch of different people. And, and I wanted it to sound more like um, sort of what I do in Garbage and other bands, like a, a aggressive, quite tweaked out drum sounds, heavily processed. There's a lot of, I own a lot of drum sample libraries that I use in production. A lot of them are hip-hop based or sort of EDM based and uh and I wanted something that had a little bit more of a rock, like an electro rock edge to it. And as we started building the instrument, I really gravitated towards the old drum machines that I used to use, especially when we started out garbage, like a 16-pad drum machine. And so the instrument we came up with is sort of based on that. Um, there's patterns. Um, you can click on patterns. It'll play beats that I've already put in. Um, you can change the tempo, and you can drag and drop the samples to you know, change up the kick and snare sounds or whatever. And uh, there's a lot of effects on it too, so you can do a lot of sound design in it, which is like what I like to do in garbage a lot. So uh, it just came out last week, and it's it seems to be doing well. People seem to like it. Um, it was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took me 18 months of endless tweaking. Wow, uh, Kyle, endless tweaking. Sitting right here in my studio, going, "Hmm, I could use just a tad more 6K maybe, and w- whatever wow. you know." Going deep in the lab rat zone, but it, it was fun too, and the, and the people in Native have been great. Uh, they were really fun. They just said, "Do whatever you you know you want to do." So they were totally supportive behind yeah. it. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a fun thing. You know, the the one uh, production uh, record I'll, I'll I'll ask about, and I'll close out with this too, because it's also one of my favorite records. But it's also one of the most surprising that I think you're a part of, and that's a Sonic Youth Experimental Jet Set Trash and No Star. Love that um, record. Yeah, I love that record. But that's especially like such a minimal 
trashy, and I'm going to use that because it's in the title, which it seems to me like the very opposite, I guess, of what you were doing at that time. Like, where did all that come from, and, and, and how different was it for you? Well, I did the previous record, Dirty, and that was much more layered. You know, we probably spent about six weeks recording it. I mean, I, I love Dirty, too. I think the songs are incredible on it. And, and the band, when we went in to do Experimental Jet Set, they said, we, we want to do things quick and keep it really simple. And I just said, I totally get it. Because I, I kind of I pushed them a little hard. I, think, I mean, I, I love the band. We, we, we were very close. But I think I pushed them a little hard on Dirty and... And they wanted to feel a little bit freer an experimental jet set. And to me, that record feels very free. It's mm -hmm. some of the songs are so minimal. It's two guitars, bass, and drums. There's maybe one vocal. There's hardly any overdubs. Um, it was also really, really fun to record. I can't remember laughing so much on a session. John Sickett, the engineer, and I were just every day of the band. They were just in really good form. They they were really clicking in all cylinders. Everybody was in good spirits. And uh, that was a really fun record to make. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I love everything you do. And especially, I want to again compliment you with, uh, with Divine Accidents and the Five Billion and Diamonds record. This is a beautiful, great listen. I mean, it's an album, front to back, you know, top to bottom. So cool. Congratulations Thanks, on this Kyle. Yeah, we're, we're, like I said, we're hoping it's going to come out at the end of October, early November. And uh, we're hoping there's going to be a couple more singles on there. So I'm sure you'll be hearing from, from the peeps who are in charge of that. Definitely. Definitely cool. We'll look forward to it. Cool. Cool, man. Well, Butch, thank you so much for doing this. It really was a, an honor, a pleasure. All right. Take thanks, care. Kyle. Peace. Right, be bye. safe. Bye-bye. My thanks, Butch Vig. Again, Five Billion of Diamonds. The new record is called Divine Accidents. Obviously looking forward to that new Garbage album as well. Uh, speaking of that, uh, too, if you look further in this series, in the Kyle Meredith with series, you can search up uh, Shirley Manson or Garbage, and you'll actually find some of those older interviews I've done with uh, other band members. So big thanks to you as well for checking out this episode again. I, I do hope you subscribe to the series if you're not already. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you like to get your podcasts from you can find uh, you can find us there and in fact again there is a, a video version of this too uh, butch and i recorded the interview over zoom so you can find that at youtube then after that head to wfpk.org that's where i do a show monday through friday 6 p.m eastern it's an hour full of song premieres music news anniversary spins bonus interviews again monday through friday 6 p.m eastern at wfpk.org consequence of sound has your music and film news you can also find me on the social media spots uh, facebook instagram twitter all of them at kyle meredith that does it for another edition i'm kyle meredith I'll see you next time Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.